Good morning. Hey, can you bring up the rest of the lights for me, Austin? Yeah, great. Thanks. How's your go? Good. How y'all doing this morning? It's a big day today, isn't it? It's a big day for a couple of reasons. One of those reasons is because it's Mother's Day, and I see some of you are here to be with your moms. Some of our folks are not here because they've gone to be with their moms. Some of you are here uh, and wishing your mom was with you. And some of you are here wishing that uh, your kids would be a little better this morning so you could have got here on time, right? And some of you have been praying for children for a long time, and some of you have not received the blessing you've been praying for. Uh, Mother's Day is a day that's hard and difficult for a lot of people. Uh, It's a day that's good for a lot of people. But one of the things we need to know as believers in Christ is that no matter what we have or don't have, or what we've been yearning for, or what we haven't even maybe accounted for a whole lot today, that we have all that we need in Jesus if we find our hope in him. And today we're going to look at a passage of scripture as kind of our base. It's going to be throwing us around a few other passages as well. But I just want to ask this, get ready, because at the end of our time this morning in the word, I'm going to ask for a favor from all of you in the room, and we're going to do something together at the end of our time. So be ready for that time of participation. In the meantime, if you'd open your Bibles to the second letter to Timothy that Paul wrote under the leading and by the empowerment and inspiration of the Holy Spirit to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, We're going to look at just a couple of verses, and then we're going to kind of unpack the implications of those verses. Uh, Those verses are not about moms in particular. They're not about Mother's Day, but they are something that uh, we can see as an example of what it looks like to be a mom and to love moms. And so I want to ask this. If you're a mom in here, I hope today that you will listen to this in such a way that you're asking the Lord to reveal to you some truths that might help your heart. If you are not a mom today, I pray you'll be praying for some mothers Uh, praying for the ladies in the room, and uh, that you would be doing that in a way that uh, would be edifying for them, but also to learn in such a way that we can gain from this. Because anytime we open the Word of God, no matter who we're talking to, it is edifying for those who love Jesus. And so today we're going to learn, we're going to hear from the Word, and we're going to be changed by it. Let's just ask Him now to do that work for us, for it is too heavy and too big for us to do it alone. So let's ask Him to work in us through His Word. So would you pray with me? Father, I am so thankful that you have blessed us with women in our lives who have been mothers and sisters and daughters. And Lord, I am so thankful today that we get to celebrate those who have brought us into this world and to whom you've given the authority over us that you have given as we grow up, uh, the reins over us to teach us and lead us. And uh, Lord, today I pray you'd help us all learn how we could love and serve others better and how we can do that, especially as we focus on the young folks in this world that we have been given charge over. Maybe not in our own families, but in addition to our families, we have those in our faith family that we are to love and serve. So I just pray this morning that you'd work in our hearts, that you would change us more into the image of Christ, that you would make us to be more like the one you created us to be like, who is Jesus. And that through it all, we would give you all the glory as we receive all the joy in serving you and loving you as you first have loved us. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just say this morning, if there's anything I want you to hear today, everybody listen up. This is not just for moms. This is not just for ladies. This is for everybody in the room. 
uh, I want you to understand this phrase, and it's for all of us and these different implications we're going to talk about today. The, the big thing I want you to hear, especially if you're a mom, I'm talking to you, but everybody else, right, as you parent, as you love on moms, as you love on women who are not yet moms, who might not be able to be moms, I want you to do this one thing. So this is the one thing, if you write down anything else, write down this one thing. Give them grace by giving them Jesus. Give them grace by giving them Jesus. I don't know of a tougher job that I have seen in my lifetime, which is not as long as some of y'all, but it's longer than a few in here, uh, the job of being a mom. And I don't know of anything that is tougher on the heart, that is tougher on how you beat yourself up, about how you are beat up by your children or your husbands uh, in various ways, even the loved ones that love you very much, the ways in which others can pummel your heart, and the ways in which you can allow things and people to speak into your life, and sometimes you don't even allow it, they just do it in such a way that it can be difficult and make it harder even for you to be a mom. But I want you to know that today we want you to understand that we as a faith family want to give you grace so that you can give grace to those around you. And for those of you who want to be moms and have not been able to be yet, I want you to know that I've been praying for you, and a lot of us in this room pray for you regularly. And uh, we understand that uh, you need that same grace, and we're asking for the Lord to give that to you this morning. Listen to this, 1 John 4, 19, and this is not our main text, but I just want to read this for us. This is a good one to put to memory, 1 John 4, 19. It's really short. It says, we love, we love because he first loved us. We love because he, Jesus, first loved us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit has loved us before the foundation of the world. And we love because he first loved us. Look, motherhood is a journey fraught with failure and missed opportunities. But God is greater than our failures. And God can overcome our failures. In fact, he's already overcome all your failures and has given you grace when he gave you Jesus. Now, Jesus died 2,000 years ago on the cross for all of our sins, for all of our inabilities, for all of our failures, for all of our missed opportunities where we should have done something we didn't do. But I want you to hear me that he died 2,000 years ago, but the Holy Spirit is still applying that to your life even now if you know him as your Lord and Savior. And he makes that real to you now over and over again as he continually shows that grace in shaping you through your sanctification, being made into the image of Christ. So put your hope in him. Put your hope in him. Put your value in Jesus. Put your happiness and joy in him. Not in your abilities or lack thereof to accomplish the list or win the day. Put your hope in the Lord. For he is the only sure thing. He has already come through. And he will not let you down. Listen, God has given you grace by giving you Jesus. And now it's our turn to give our children our friends and our family members, what God has so graciously given to us. Let's look at the text, 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 and 15. Paul in this letter, by the way, is, um, from what we can understand, is, is moments, whether it be days, weeks, months, he's moments away from death. Uh, this is when he's in prison, he's writing to Timothy, who's become like a son to him. And uh, in the previous letter to Timothy, he wrote to him in regard to and in light of false teachers that were 
trying to infiltrate the church at Ephesus. And here he's writing to him a bunch of things he wants him to remember as it might be one of the last times he communicates with Timothy. He does ask him to come and bring his papers and his parchments, his books, so he can study and still do what he's doing until the Lord takes him. But he obviously knows as you read through this letter that the time is near for his departure to go and be with the Lord. And so like most of us would imagine, if you know that's coming, he's going to be saying things that are uber important to him. The ones that he wants to make sure Timothy gets and hears and takes in as kind of his last farewell to Timothy. And he reads to him this in part here as he talks about, you know, verse 16, talks about how scripture is breathed out by God. But verse 14 and 15, he says, but as for you, talking about Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Listen, read it again. Listen to the words. Look at the words of me. Verse 14. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned. That word continue is the only command here. He says continue. Keep going in what you've learned. Don't put it down. Don't walk away. Don't give it up. Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Not only has he mentally learned it, he's believed. That means we talked about a week ago and a couple weeks before that. That means that he has committed himself to it fully and he has surrendered himself to the Lord. He has firmly believed what he has learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Now, we often want to think when somebody says that, that they're talking about themselves. Like right here that Paul would be saying, well, that's obviously talking about him teaching Timothy. But I don't really think that's who he's talking about. He may be including himself in that. But look what he says in verse 15. So from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You see, Timothy grew up in a home that had uh, some diversity in it. His mom was a devout Jewish believer in God, the one true God. And his grandmother was that way, but his dad was a Greek guy. He was a Roman guy. Uh, I say Greek meaning that anything other than Jewish in the scriptures, a Gentile, right? And as he is having parents that are split like that in a patriarchal society, it's kind of crazy that his mom would push so hard to instill beliefs in him. But we see that's the case. In fact, if you look at 2 Timothy 1.5, just flip like a page over in your Bible and look at the first chapter, verse 5. Paul says to him, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Listen to this. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Look at that again. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. You see, our primary job as parents, our primary job, mothers, is not that our kids have the best meals all the time and have a perfect household with no debris anywhere. We've got five kids, lots of debris. It's not a place where everybody gets the perfect baths all the time. It's not a place where everybody gets uh, the, the perfect scores on all the tests and does perfectly every day in their obedience. It's not a, your success, your value is not found in those things. In fact, God has commanded us nowhere in Scripture for a lot of those pieces. But what he has said is that our primary job as parents is to teach our children to fear and love the Lord. To fear and love the Lord. Now, we oftentimes don't like that word fear, but fear is a healthy thing. Fear is really healthy. Uh, Your kids learn to fear things that are hot when they get a little burned. 
You can say all day long, don't put your hand on the stove, don't put your hand on the stove, but the minute they touch something hot, they now understand why they shouldn't put their hand on the stove, right? Fear is healthy to have. It keeps us in a good place. It keeps us safe. To fear the Lord means to understand who he is and what he has done and what he's capable of doing so that we might therefore walk in a way in light of who he is that would bring him honor and glory and not risk our souls. You understand? It is good to fear the Lord. In fact, the scriptures talk about fear in Proverbs 1.7. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Some translations say beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction, but fear of the Lord is the beginning of of knowledge and wisdom. And that is good and healthy. Listen, our primary job is to teach our children faith family. Our primary job is to teach all of our children, all those in our care, to teach our children to fear and love the Lord, just as Timothy's grandmother Lois and mother Eunice did with him. That they brought him up to fear the Lord. Listen, Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 6. Make a little note for that one and go back and study this. Actually, I'll look at you 1 through 9 later, but 1 through 6 now. This is what the Lord says as he's giving all these commandments. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. So as God is delivering his people into the promised land, he says, here's what I want you to hear. This is the command, and then all the statutes and rules that go along with it. He says, to possess it, when you get in this land you're going over to, to possess the land, he says, that you may fear the Lord your God. You hear that? That you may fear the Lord your God. You and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. He goes on and says, hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Listen, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So he says in the same kind of conversation that you should fear, all this is being given to you that you might fear the Lord and that you would love the Lord with all your heart, with everything within you. Both those two things are what our primary job is to teach our children. So let's talk about how we do that real quick. One of the first ways to do that is by modeling a healthy fear and love of the Lord in your own life. We cannot expect our kids The children in this church, the ones we love, the ones who are already grown up and out of the home, we can't expect them to fear and love the Lord if we don't model it ourselves. And that means that we fear going through the day without communing with our Father. Now, that may mean in the midst of crazy that you do it while you're in the shower and you pray and recite memory verses to yourself you've already memorized. Or you have a verse you wrote on a card in front of the makeup mirror and in front of the toothbrushing mirror that you're memorizing as you think on the Lord for that week. Maybe that's all you get. But when you do those things, you are modeling for your kids that you fear and love the Lord above all things. So we have to model this. We can't do it otherwise. Our kids see it all the time, right? They they know what we say and they know what we do. And what do you think they listen to the most? What we do. What we do. We've got to model it. And it's not about how much ground you cover with them. Hear me, parents. It's not about how much ground you cover It's about taking a step toward the Lord. You understand? It's not that you have to do all these things. It can be so overwhelming. Where do I start? What do I look at? What what kind of Bible do I get from my kids? What kind of thing can they understand? Look, just take, don't worry about the big gamut of things. Try something and just take a step toward the Lord in modeling it before your kids. Take a step. 
And listen, it's not about how perfect you are in it either. Listen to these words. It's not about how perfect you are. It's about how obedient you are to the Lord. Do you understand? It's about how obedient you are. You may mess up. You may fail. You may really royally mess up in some big way. But then you can turn and repent before your children and repent to the Lord. And they can see obedience that overcomes your imperfections. And that's the grace of the Lord. Sometimes God, I think, allows us to get into these jams so that the Lord can see how we model for our kids and our kids can see someone that repents and turns back to the Lord. And that's one of the greatest lessons we can ever teach our kids is is repentance and asking forgiveness. Because none of us are perfect, but all of us can be obedient. Listen. 1 Peter 1, 22 through 23. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Listen, since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. You see, it's in the word of God that we find this truth that changes us. It's in this word of God that we find our hope for salvation. In God's self-reflection of who he is, as we look into this mirror, we see the image of God in the person and work of Jesus. And in that, we see how we should be and how we are not and how we run to the Lord and ask for his help to overcome our inabilities so that he may be made much of in front of our kids, in front of our families. So let's repent and ask for forgiveness by modeling our need for Jesus daily. It's like everything else. If we think that people are going to come to know Jesus because of how we live our lives, because we are good and we don't mess up and we live perfectly, we're missing the whole picture. The gospel is that we all need help, and that's what we need is Jesus. We can't do it. And so we really lead people to Jesus when we show them that we are unable, that we are unable, that we mess up, that we fail, and that we ask for forgiveness and that we repent at the same time before them. That's when we show them what God can do. Because he is the one alone that can do this. So we need to model it through repentance. Model it through seeking forgiveness from our kids. We need to model it by having a healthy fear of the Lord because we don't want to be away from him because we know we can't do it. And that we love the Lord. We want to love him with all that we have, even when we don't have what we want. Maybe you've been praying and asking the Lord for something your whole life. And maybe you've never received it so far. And you may never receive it. Keep running to the Lord and asking him to make himself known by you so that you can find your joy in him and find true hope in the midst of difficulty. Put your hope in the Lord. And then give them grace, everybody around you, including your kids, by getting real with them and giving them Jesus. Secondly, I want to tell you, look at this verse again. Look at 2 Timothy 14 and 15. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. There's nothing in there about prayer. Did you notice that? There's nothing in there about prayer. There are other things in this text about prayer, nothing in that right there about prayer, but we know all through Scripture, there's a places all over the Scripture where we are to go to the Lord and ask. He says that if you love me, you'll come to me. If you love me, you'll be mine, right? And he talks about ask for what you want. Ask for him to give you what you want. And the idea is that when he is ultimately what you want, you will have all that you need in Christ because you have him, right? So I want to give you something. There's a a quote that I read from Charles Spurgeon that really just kind of wrecked me this week. Um, And let me give you kind of the statement I want you to hear, and then I'm going to read this quote to see where this came from. But here's the statement. 
Not only do we model this kind of fear and loving in the Lord, but secondly, we need to pray for our kids' souls, even before them. Pray for their souls. God loves you and your children more than you could ever imagine. More than you ever could. He loves you and your children more. And God alone is the one who can change their hearts and save their souls. No matter how old they are, no matter how wayward they might be, God alone is the one who can save their souls and change their hearts. And so we need to pray for them and before them. Pray for them and even before them. In other words, we're going to give them grace by giving them Jesus. Giving them grace by laying them at the feet of Jesus by praying for them. Listen, Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, how can I ever forget my mother's tearful eye when she warned me to escape from the wrath to come? I thought her lips right eloquent. Others might not think so, but they certainly were eloquent to me. How can I ever forget when she bowed her knee and with her arms about my neck prayed, Oh, that my son might live before thee, Lord. Nor can her frown be effaced from my memory, that solemn, loving frown when she rebuked my budding iniquities. And her smiles have never faded from my recollection. The beaming of her countenance when she rejoiced to see some good thing in me towards the Lord God of Israel. It makes me just yearn to rejoice over the little things I see in my children, right? To show them how God is good. He goes on, he says, I cannot tell you how much I owe to the solemn words of my good mother. It was the custom on Sunday evenings while we were yet little children for her to stay at home with us. And then we sat around the table and read verse by verse and she explained the scriptures to us. After that was done, then came the time of pleading. There was a little piece of alien's alarm or of Baxter's call to the unconverted. And this was read with pointed observations made to each of us as we sat around the table. And the question was asked, how long would it be before we would think about our state? How long before we would seek the Lord? Listen, then came a mother's prayer, and some of the words of that prayer we shall never forget, even when our hair is gray. I remember on one occasion her praying thus, now, Lord, if my children go on in their sins, it will not be from ignorance that they perish, and my soul must bear a swift witness against them at the day of judgment if they lay not hold of Christ. He said that thought of a mother's bearing swift witness against me, pierced my conscience and stirred my soul. We are doing our children no benefit by hiding from them what it means to not follow the Lord. We must teach them not to scare them into heaven. That isn't working. But to teach them what real life is in a healthy way through the eyes of the gospel. Listen, give them grace by giving them Jesus. And give them grace by giving them the whole Jesus and the whole gospel. The grace of the gospel of Jesus is only as beautiful as the horrors from which he alone can save us. Do you understand? Like we have to understand him rightly and fully. We understand that he gave himself, the one who's fully holy and righteous and good, for those who are not. That he saves us from eternity under the wrath of the Father that would destroy us for forever and ever and ever, tormented under the wrath. Instead, he took that wrath on our behalf on the cross and purchased us out of our enslavement to sin, out of our enslavement to that condemnation, and has brought us before the Lord, saying, he's mine, she's mine, they are mine. We need to teach them these truths. 
We need to remind ourselves of them daily because that is how we give them grace, by giving them the whole Jesus, the whole gospel. Anything less than the whole gospel in the long run will be detrimental to their development. Anything less than the whole gospel spoken to ourselves, moms and dads, will be detrimental to our own development. We'd be reminded daily of our need. And lastly, we need to make time to teach them the Bible. Just like we heard here, make time to teach them the Bible. Listen, let me point these things to us through another guy, Sinclair Ferguson. He says, I want to challenge those of you who are parents, parents of infants, parents of youngsters, that if you hide the scriptures from your children, it may be true that it were better that a millstone be hung around your neck and you be cast in the midst of the sea, that you should never imagine that you are behaving like a Christian parent. Some of you know the name of my friend Don Carson, he says, a New Testament scholar at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and a widely published author. He says, I remember Don saying when his little girl was only a few years old, he was sitting teaching her a nursery rhyme. Mary had a little, and she would say, lamb. Its fleece was white as snow. And then as they developed, Mary had a little lamb, its fleece was white as snow. When it dawned on him that he was devoting himself to hours of worldly catechizing and never teaching her to say, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's sobering, isn't it? You think of all that you pour into your education of your children. He says, you think of the ways in which you seek to guard them from this world, but unless you are pouring the scriptures into them from infancy, my dear friend, you are guilty of the greatest spiritual dereliction of duty you could ever have before the face of God. Because there is nothing more precious for your children, for your grandchildren, than that from their infancy they should know the scriptures that are able to make them wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. That's heavy. It can be overwhelming. There again from First Peter read earlier, that through the living and abiding word of God, you come to faith. Or James 1.18, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. It comes through the word of God. So let's take advantage of the moments that we're given every day. Every day we're given moments, right? Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. In fact, go down to verse 4, and he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. In other words, when you get in the car to go to school, you talk about Jesus. When you're sitting in the house together, you turn off Netflix and talk about Jesus. When you're, you're getting up in the morning over breakfast, you talk about Jesus. When you're hanging out at the dinner table at night, you talk about Jesus. Whenever we get the opportunity, we teach them about Jesus, using his own words to say that. He says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And the Jews took this literally. They had things on their wrists with scriptures in them, so they would see them all the time, and they would feel them on them. And they had them between their eyes. You see them when you watch TV, and they're at the Wailing Wall, right? These things were there to remind them constantly to be teaching to their children the scriptures, teaching to one another the scriptures, to have them on our hearts, seared continuously on. So let us pray for opportunities. Let us ask the Lord for opportunities to see moments and expect God to deliver those moments and then to teach them only what he's teaching us. Do you hear that? All you got to do is take what's in your cup and pour it into their cup. You may say, I don't have much in my cup. Let us run to the Lord together, brothers and sisters. 
Let us take one moment to read one verse and ponder it through our day whenever we have an opportunity. And let us give it over to them. Let us memorize scripture together. A short one, an easy one. Start with Jesus wept. And then talk about what that means. Well, why did Jesus cry? Because he loved his friend. Well, why, why, did, why did he cry though? Because he loved them. Well, because his friend had died. You see how easy it can be just to take the questions and take one little step from two little words in Scripture? Let us fill ourselves as often as we can, which may not be very often, with the words of the Scripture. Let us give them over. Ferguson goes on. He says this. It's very convicting for me. He says, the single greatest excuse you and I make for not teaching our children the Scriptures is in one form or another that there are difficult circumstances. It's difficult for us to find a time. It's difficult for us the way my husband works, the way my wife does this. It's difficult for us in a world like this. There's nobody there to help us. But you see, the fascinating thing about Timothy, if you know his life story, he says, is that he was reared in difficult circumstances. His grandmother and his mother were Jewish believers. His father was a Gentile. And everything we know about Timothy suggests to us that his father appears to have stood in the way of his spiritual upbringing within the Jewish community. He had never even been circumcised. And so in many ways, it's difficult to imagine a more testing situation than for these two women in that kind of patriarchal society to be seeking to rear this little boy in godliness and for the glory of God and investing the scriptures in his life. Listen, brothers and sisters, let's stop making excuses, right? I'm talking to myself. I'm just speaking with you. Let's stop making excuses and let's make disciples of those God has given to us, whether it be in our care as we lead a ministry, whether it be in our homes as we lead children, or as we have an opportunity to be around somebody else's children, let's let the words that come out of our lips be the words of the Lord, and let's lead them to find their hope in Jesus. Give them grace by giving them Jesus. And when you falter, because you will, and when you fail, because we will, let us remember how God has continually given us grace by giving us Jesus our Redeemer, our Forgiver, our Savior, our Lord and our God, to whom alone should be all the glory. Let's put our hope back in Him. Guys, I'm going to ask a favor. I say guys on purpose, not because I lived in Maryland for a while. Gentlemen, young and old, I want you to take a moment and I want you to look around you right now and see women around you, mothers or not, and I want you to notice them And I want you to find one, one that you love and care about closely that's a part of your family or one that's around you that doesn't seem to have family with them today. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand up and just kind of be around them and to pray over them and to pray for them. We're going to give them grace this morning by taking them to Jesus. I mean, this is what it means to be a good husband, a good father, a good brother in Christ. Is to take our families to Jesus, starting with those who are our spouses or our sisters, and to care for them by taking them to Jesus. So on this Mother's Day, we celebrate so much joy for so many, and where there's so much heartache for those who don't let us know. I want you to take a moment and just quietly pray. You can speak out loud, or you can speak silently in your heart, but I want you to pray for them. And so we're going to have some silence. It feels uncomfortable in silence, doesn't it? And it may sound a little weird, but multiple people are praying all at once. That's okay. The Lord can hear us all at the same time. And I want you to pray around and over those 
whom God has blessed us to have in our lives, these women that God has given us and whom we celebrate today.